Yo creo que los que I think that the first people who should read this book are our brothers and sisters in the United States, because their threat is in their own house. The devil is right at home. The devil, the devil himself is right in the house. And the devil came here yesterday. Yesterday, the devil came here, right here. Right here. And it smells of sulfur still today. This table that I am now standing in front of. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, from this rostrum, the president of the United States, the gentleman to whom I refer as at the devil, came here talking as if he owned the world. Truly, as the owner of the world. I think we could call a psychiatrist to analyze yesterday's statement made by the President of the United States. As the spokesman of imperialism, he came to share his nostrums. Hey, what's up, you guys? And welcome to another episode of Bread for the Proletariat. Um, this is episode three. And we will be talking about a various amount of topics, actually. But we are going to start off with gun control. You know, since recently here in Utah, at least, um, there was that recent shooting um, in <clears throat> at, what was that mall's name? I'm so sorry. Fashion Place Mall. Um yeah, and I mean, it hasn't actually sparked a lot of conversation of gun control except for that day. And the day after, I think, there was just small little conversations on Twitter that I saw. Tweets, really, that not real conversations, just tweets that I saw. <laughs> uh, tweets that I saw of, like, asking for gun control and this should never happen. And it, and it really shouldn't happen. But it's a little more nuanced than just ban all guns. Yeah, I mean, politically, I think what happened, uh, I don't know, uh, it was definitely random, you know? It was just like, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of it, but it was definitely just random, and it was just like, I don't know, I guess they were going to take it outside, and then they were just like... It just went south, so I don't know. It's not like any, anybody could have really done anything to, like, stop it or anything like that, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think in terms of uh, just a general sense, which I think is what we're trying to talk about mainly, I don't know. I think gun control, uh, I don't know. My mom is a conspiracy nut, so she thinks it's like, you know, like, they're trying to, like, you know, sway Americans to, like, switch over their guns. And I'm like, Mom, chill. Like, you sound like such a right-winger. But I don't know. I definitely think just in the general sense, like, I don't know. Obviously, we know that a lot of the regulations in terms of, like, who it affects is, like, uh, you know, black, brown, and poor people. Um, and that's just, I don't know. I'd say mainly due to the fact of, like, the racism within the system, 
and then just the fact that uh, classism, I don't know, there's like a ton of licenses and stuff that we'd probably have to go through and background checks. And um, I don't know, not to say that like background checks are bad in terms of like, I don't know, like for me, like this is just my position. I'd probably just go just like federal background check and then maybe i i definitely would block honestly domestic violence abusers um i don't i don't mind doing that um and that goes like 90% of the police department yeah <laughs> that exactly is kind of our uh, our point is that like gun control doesn't really affect the people who it needs to affect um because like that would require restructuring our entire police system you know like i think it's like 40% of like all police members like experience like families experience domestic abuse like so police families it's like pretty it's a high it's a high number so i don't know like in that regard like it's not affecting those people who you know are patrolling our streets for one and then like people who do want to protect themselves whether it be against like uh you know a racist society like even just now in 2018 like in michigan you know like that gm plant that was like hella racist like the two black supervisors like like, after, like, months of complaining, you know, against, like, racist incidents of, like, they call them Dan, which is, like, an acronym for, like, dumbass and an N-word. And, like, they would just call them Dan and, like, do a bunch of, like, they even, like, brought a news, like, in one day, I don't know, some really graphic shit. They had a white, whites only, like, in a bathroom. And this was just, like, last year. So, I don't know. Like, there's just, like, those intense situations where I'm just, how do you, like face like instances of instances of like threats of violence and then like not want to protect yourself uh and then i don't know like just just in the racist system i don't know i think um just a lot of the barriers people have to jump through i think we should reevaluate at least in terms of people who would actually need it not like the police right exactly i don't know it's just it's just a lot more, there's just a lot more to it. And this is really from like a a perspective of, of like calling for revolution, right? Like what are we going to, to fight with if there is heavy, like gun control? Like I'm tell you right now, it's not going to be sticks and stones. Like with that heavy riot gear that they have, right? The, the, the police and, and it always disproportionately affects whether the law is good or not it would always disproportionately affect black and brown communities, right? Like, there's already a target on black and brown communities as it is now. So now with he- with more heavy um, gun gun control, it, it's going to hurt them more. It's not like it's going to alleviate the situation. It's not, right? Like, like New York already has heavy gun control, and people still get, get a hold of it. It's not like... It's not right. It's just not. It's not gonna stop the situation. There, there has to be. If anything, there has to be more education on, like, on guns themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, because most like, and I think most like gun incidents that happen are accidents. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, like most gun violence, quote unquote violence issues, do end up being accidents that the gun just went off on accident because the person that was handling wasn't careful enough right so i don't know you just hear stories of people who like especially black kids who 
you know, grabbed their father's gun and was showing it to their friend. And the gun went off and their friend died and that kid gets charged with first-degree murder. Right? And there goes their whole life. So, I, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot that goes into it other than just get all guns off the street. Yeah, I know I agree. And uh, especially just because, I mean, realistically, who is, like, allowed to actually carry in peace, you know, like, in terms of the dichotomy of that question? Like, uh, like it's like, yeah, like, right to bear arms. But either way, it's like who can bear arms peacefully without being considered a threat, you know? Like, obviously, like, in terms of this white supremacist system, like, white people and lighter-skinned people can have that privilege of, like, carrying arms in peace, you know? Like, I don't know. You just hear stories of, like, yeah, my dad always carried in his car, like, his whole life. And, like, but, like, you think of, like, people like Philandro Castillo who, like, didn't have, like, that luxury, you know, of even, like, carrying peacefully. Because he was, like, you know, he legally had that right, uh, you know. Even, like, if he didn't have the paperwork, you know, I think to a degree, like, someone has a right to carry. I don't know. Like, there's, you know, I feel like it's that's all contextual, case by case. But anyway, back to Castillo, you know, like, he definitely had, uh, like, all the paperwork, the legal, you know, everything in place that allowed him to carry legally. And, you know, like, that cop flipped out and fucking still shot him, you know. But imagine if he wasn't, you know, a black man. Imagine if he was, like, a white man. I feel like that would be, I feel like obviously everyone would know that it's, or feels that it would be a, a different situation, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, I don't know. People want to neglect that. I feel like when it comes to gun control, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, like, uh, access, access, (coughs) access is a huge thing because obviously, like, who are the ones that are hoarding them all? First of all, it's not like poor working class folk are buying guns to hoard them. They're buying guns just out of necessity for one. But who is the one that hoards? Who are the people that hoard them? It's typically a lot of rich folk, uh, you know, like they have like. Like, think of all your friends who have a a shitload of guns, you know, like, they definitely are typically probably more better off, or it comes from a culture of guns, which not all cultures of guns are bad, like, I definitely know, like, uh, some of it's ranching culture, you know, we're talking about Mexicans, I think, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, on on the fucking ranch, you know, like, just, like, you're just, you just have it just to protect yourself, just to have it, and, you know, just to, I assume, food, substance subsistence but uh when it comes down and protection but when it comes down to like at least like we're talking about you know america and this capital society like i don't know i i mainly see a bunch of like rich folk with like just a basement or a rack full of guns you know and it's like not even just a basic ass guns but there's like rifles and so you know or like um you know the fact that like knowledge just about it and you know is very limited and restricted you know just because like i feel like especially like on the liberal democrat side especially just because like that's where we're working class people and like black and brown folk tend to be you know just because that's our only options here in america you know like that conversation and that culture is like shamed and pushed away just because like you know like they're just against guns you know it's just i don't know it's like an anti-gun culture which i don't think is like helpful for us to a degree, because it's, like, well, realistically, like, if we're going to protect our own communities, like, we need to know some basics of that, you know, especially, like, if we're going to be doing, uh, you know, policing the police work, you know, type of deal, like, the you know, Black Panther type deal, that's something that's on our minds, you know, 
which I think it is on some people's minds, especially I know in Rose Park, you know, the police are really aggressive towards the kids. You know, we had that one incident just now at the Fair Park Community Council meeting. Um, here, let me pull this up. It's by uh, one of the members of uh, Utah Against Police Brutality. His name is Dave. He's a cool guy. Better articulate. Let me get it pulled up. Shit. But, yeah, like, these cops are fucking dicks, man. All right, so pretty much uh, at the Fair Park Community Council, it was, like, at the, at the rec center in Salt Lake City. So an employee called the cops. This is, like, from his Facebook post. Today, an employee called the cops on kids who were playing outside a rec center in Salt Lake City. You know, uh, outside a rec in Salt Lake City. You know, the place that literally exists so kids can play there. Half a dozen cop cars showed up to deal with the, quote, disturbance, which was, uh, as a matter of fact, a snowball. Roughly six police cars for one snowball with cops shouting, being aggressive and disrespectful to adults and kids alike. And he says, you know why? Because these kids are black and brown. That's why. These kids came with brown berets to the Fair Park Community Council meeting to explain their experiences with police in their schools. And they bravely stood up to talk about their fears and experiences. They wrote down what they wanted to say and gave short speeches about the harassment and surveillance they faced from the police. Just a few minutes later, they were confronted by the real threat of being arrested or brutalized by those very cops. All because some childish rec center employee didn't like kids of color throwing snowballs. Fortunately, everyone walked away free. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much like record of the incident. But he goes on to say, you know, I want to live in a city where kids don't have to be afraid of cops. I want to live in a city where public meetings, sorry, don't end with police repression just because someone can't deal with kids. That's exactly, uh, you know, why I, I fight for community control of, of the police. That's why I organize with Utah against police brutality and the Brown Berets. And, you know, that's why we have to end this bullshit. And, uh, you know, shout out to the Utah against police brutality and Brown Berets because, you know, they're definitely doing real work. But, you know, more on the point of what he's, you know, getting to is, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, the attitude, you know, and especially when it comes to guns, you know, in our possession, you know, that's like, I don't know, to them, it's just like threat on sight, you know. And so, like, I think, like, when we're talking about that, there's a huge luxury that uh, we're also, at, you know, they, you know, is out of the conversation, I guess. You know, I feel like, especially, like, in the mainstream. Or at least, like, it's not out of the conversation, at least in, like, a leftist conversation. Like, obviously, like, we know racism is a huge part of control. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, just for people who don't know, I guess. Yeah, and I think we have a really good example of, like, what being armed and standing up to the police really looks like, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Black Panthers, right, when they were doing their, their, their um, community patrols, like, they showed up to whoever was stopped by a cop or was being harassed by a cop with their rifle strapped to their back, and they just stood there and watched, and the cop would back off, right? Like, that that happened, right? Like, it's just, like, we have good examples that we, that we can use. Um, I think, I definitely think it's a different world now than it was, what was then, uh, so I'm not. I'm really not pushing for you to get a rifle and go stand up to a cop because you're you probably won't come out of that alive. In all honesty, right? Since they are very trigger. I feel like their techniques too, like their language. I feel like their techniques and language they use, right? Like the common words of like, you know, like oh he's got a gun, or you know, like 
get on the floor, do what we say, like, as if you're not doing what they say. Or, like, that one fucking pig in from Arizona who, like, shot that white guy in the hotel. Remember? He, like, shot him, like, point blank with an assault rifle. Like, his commands were the main one. They got him confused and got him shot. But his, he was like, put your hands up. Don't put them down. And he's like, I want you to get on the floor. But he's like, you can't put your hands down. So imagine, like, you're on your knees, and he wants you to lay on your stomach. But you don't want to fall on your face, so you want to put your hands to the floor, right? Well, you can't do that. He's like, I, you can't do that. So he's going to, like, and, like, as a result, like, he just, like, he fucked up. And, like, he, like, put his hand on the floor. And the dude just, like, let loose and just, like, just, like. I don't want to be graphic, right? Not trying to trigger anyone, but yeah, like definitely, like that shit was. I don't know, like there's just tactics like that that are like commonplace, you know. Especially like in Salt Lake, you know. I feel like, like we really just, like we have a good image here apparently, just because you know the news wants to report that, you know, oh San Francisco is taken after Salt Lake Police Department. Really, I don't think that's a fucking good thing, because, you know, just because San Francisco is getting. I guess slightly less shitty, which I don't feel like they have, you know, like, there's no point in trying to model after Salt Lake Police Department, not after Patrick Harmon, Elijah Smith, you know, Cody Belgard. I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, sorry, that was kind of a rant, but. Yeah, anyway, back to talking about the Black Panthers. Thanks. Um, fuck. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. It was a different world back then, right? You can't really stand up to a cop now. But you, we can definitely just more or less, quote-unquote, confront them just like they did, right? Like, uh, when Bobby Seale came, um, he was just talking about, like, yeah, I stood up. I stood right in front of a pig. Um, less, wh- What was he, like, five feet away? And he told me to stay back or he would arrest me too. And he just went off and just recited the full law and said, no, I have the right to stand this far away from you and watch you as you do your job and and just, like, went off. And, I mean, the cop couldn't really say shit because the law was used against him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, and, and in regards to, like, quote-unquote, like, what a good police system should look like, right, I think Ferguson has done a really good job, um, right, after after the riots... I wouldn't even call them riots after the the demonstrations and and you know the demonstrations that rightfully took place right the the uprising that rightfully took place um there was a full investigation of the police department and it was found out that yeah they were racist as fuck as people as like white conservatives didn't think they were right like that it was racist that they were they were specifically picking on black black and specifically black folks um, like to to arrest and and give tickets to because it was just easier because they could frame them that way yeah. and you know it was it, that was found out and they 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 definitely tr- tried to restructure it right they they do more training and they say that your gun is your last resort right they've moved on from like from like just pulling your gun straight out and pointing it at someone and telling them to to get on the ground and put their hands behind their head or wherever you they want you to put them, right? They they've they're they're pushing for more for more de-escalation situation to de-escalate the situation 
then escalate to what it is unnecessarily needs to be escalated to. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I don't know. Like you're saying, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I liked it, what the Panthers did. I think, you know, there's a lot of radical uh, use of arms and, you know, in the United States history that we don't talk about, like uh, uh, Reyes Lopez Tijerina, you know, he was a, uh, uh, Mexican activist, Mexican American activist in New Mexico and kind of around that area. Let me pull them up just so I don't, you know, fuck people over. Um, but yeah, I know. I mean, like, uh, so back in the 60s and 70s, pretty much he was an activist. Uh, to, he wanted to restore New Mexican land grants to the descendants of there's, you know, uh, looks like Spanish colonial and Mexican owners. Um, so pretty much just the Mexican, uh, the, the Mexican owners that were there before 1848, um, and like the treaties that resulted in, because like they were just, even like after the treaties, after that war, like the, they weren't really honored, of course, you know, classic America. Um, and so he just wanted to restore that. And, uh, I know like one day he just, him and like, I don't even know how many men, um, yeah, they just, like, I mean, it was an act of adventurism. I'm not going to, like, condone it, right? But it was pretty cool because, I mean, they took they took over a courthouse um, and they just resisted the police for, uh, you know, like a matter of, I think, like, two days. It was pretty intense. Uh, but, yeah, just to ch- pretty much just to kind of uh, try to uphold those treaties and, you know, fight for the people in the area. And so, I and uh, you know, we could take... Uh, pretty much um, the 1970s with Wounded Knee, you know, as well, and AIM, and, you know, let me get that pulled up as well. Um, yeah, I know the American Indian Movement was a really, you know, I, I like I like to, I don't know, I like to, adm- to admire them just because they are a really good inspiration of what could be, you know, uh, or like, to a degree of like, um, I don't know, I, I fuck with that kind of resistance, you know. So it was founded in 1968 by Russell Means, Dennis Banks, and other Native leaders, um, which I would assume is First Nations um, instead, but as a militant political and civil rights organization. So in 1971, and first they occupied Alcatraz Island off of San Francisco saying they had the right to it under a treaty provision granting them unused federal land, which, unused federal land. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, They briefly occupied the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C. to protest programs controlling reservation development. And then in early 1973, they prepared for, uh, well, this is according to the website, but a dramatic occupation of Wounded Knee. Uh, It was a good historical significance because, you know, the community in Wounded Knee was one of the poorest communities at the time in the United States. And it was, you know, that shared with the other Pine Ridge settlements. Um, you know, they had pretty much the lowest rates of life expectancy, which is, I don't know. I feel like, for me, considering that it's pretty much all artificially created by the United States government, I could understand the, 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 the feeling of wanting to do that as well. I felt that, you know, I still feel that sometimes, but... Sometimes, you know, you got to realize that, like, there are steps to these things, and, like, just doing that wouldn't be good right now. You just isolate and alienate yourself if you did that. 
which uh, to a degree did happen to the people at Wounded Knee. You know, they, you know, ended up in a standoff with the FBI, I think. Um, hold on. Um, let's see. Okay, so the, there was a Wounded Knee occupation that lasted a total of 71 days, during which the time two Sioux men were shot to death by federal agents and several men were wounded. Rest in power to them. But on May 8th, the AIM leaders and their supporters, supporters surrendered after officials promised to investigate their complaints. Russell Means and Dennis Banks were arrested. But on September 16th, 1973, the charges against them were dismissed by a federal judge of the U.S. government's unlawful handling of witnesses and evidence. So, yeah. Like, during, uh, you know, that occupation, I think, you know, it, like, the feelings, I think, were t definitely just, you know, to feel that way. And I don't know. I definitely think, like, we just need to find more, I don't know, like, not to say the smart ways, because I don't feel like that's the right word, but, like, other ways, you know, like, I guess, let the, just, like, I, I, I guess the, pan uh, it was in that Black Panther documentary, The Vanguard of the Revolution. I forgot who says it, but she says, you know, like, the cops knew that, we were all armed, you know. She said they drove through our neighborhoods knowing that everyone in these houses had a gun. And so that that was our protection. That was the way we protected ourselves against, like, police brutality. Yeah, I mean, I let's, let's not pretend that the Democrats haven't done a good job in, like, demonizing having a gun mm -hmm. and the protection that, honestly, that gun gives you. Like, I don't want to sound like a conservative and, and sound like and say, like, yeah, if you have a gun, no one's going to fuck with you. Like, on, that's honest to God. It's honest to God true, though. Like, if you know someone has a gun, you're not going to go over there and fuck with them, are you? Like, be realistic. Like, no one's going to want to come to you and fuck with you if you have a gun unless they have a gun themselves, right? Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's where education comes in. Right, like education comes in in there, and and right and community, right connection, and and standing with each other and for each other, and like let's just not pretend that like to quote Chairman Mao, right, political power grows out of the barrel of the gun, right. So, I mean, we have so many good examples. I mean, as much as we can talk about anarchy another time, but um, like. The, the the Zapatistas in, in Chiapas, right? Like, they, they're holding down their own. They're not fucked with by the government because the government knows they can, st they can stand up for themselves. Like, no, one, no one's going to mess with them. Like, they know that. Like and the government's not going to come in and mess with them either. No one, like, no outside force is going to try to mess with them. So, I mean... I don't know. I, like, I think people are just caught up right now because it's very much the culture of our individualism, you know? Like, people are only concerned with themselves and their immediate family. But I think we need to start thinking beyond that as well. Like, like if we start, like, I don't know. I don't want to get all Confucius, you know, and, like, and be like, but realistically, you know, under the sky, we are all but one family. Um, and if we start to, like, kind of actually, you know, not to get spiritual, but actually think about it in a philosophical way. Like, like yeah, like, if we start to all think about that and, like, in terms of your neighborhood or your city, you know, like, especially, like, at least, like, immediately in your neighborhood, right, it's easier to start seeing that and kind of practicing that. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, eventually growing that to, you know, the deeper community and, um, you know, like, your city and trying to see that grow and protect everyone there, you know, against, like, 
excessive policing and police brutality. I don't know. Like, I for me, like, it just really pisses me off when I see, like, four cops in just, like, one car. You know, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, do you guys not have better things to do? Like, besides just, like, be obviously just, I don't know, just, like, pissing, oinking around, you know? Like, what else are they doing? You, like, there's no need for even, I honestly think even two cops, you know? Like, the fuck? Like, back in the 60s, like, when you got pulled over, I mean, I, at least I don't know. Like, I thought it used to be just, like, one cop, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't want to use the 60s. As a, that's not a good example. Like, I feel like at least, like, from what I noticed, you know, these tactics have been implemented at least heavily at least in the last, you know, 20 years or so. Um, at least, like, throughout all the U.S., I don't know. Maybe I'm just not exposed to police tactics, you know, as much. Uh, but if I am missing something, definitely let us know. Um, the point being, you know, at least, like, two cops to one car, that's been, like, the new strategy. And then just, like, I don't know. Just, I just feel like for whatever reason they need to call, like, more than two, I guess, for whatever reason. And I don't know. For me, that just, like, pisses me off because I'm just, like, okay, like, I don't know. These All these fuckers are just, like, there, like, for what? I don't know. Like, for me, it's just, like, I don't, I don't see the reason. Right, I just think it's excessive, and I think it's like what kind of society are we are we creating? You know, in in that regard, like we're we already have a police state, obviously, but like we are we, like the police culture. I feel like it's something we need to like start attacking and resisting to like being okay with that, and like just like for me, it's just like disgusting. I don't know. It's just, like, do we need that even? Like, I understand if someone's, like, speeding and like or something like that, or, you know, but, like, pull them over, give them a warning. Like, I, I, I honestly don't think it needs more than a warning, uh, you know. I think you can keep track of warnings, and I guess, like, if it gets to a point, right, like, where it's, like, this is, like, your fourth time, okay, like, we'll give you a ticket. That's just me. Maybe You know, people are like, oh, you're too lenient, bro. But it's just, like, maybe we educate people on the, what can happen if you run over a kid, you know, like, I don't know. People need to start thinking about that, too. I don't know. Like, more than just themselves. I feel like people, you know, get caught in that. That's, that's like, it goes back to that individualist culture. But I think it's, it's like that with guns, too, you know. Like, people are just wanting to protect their immediate family and instead of, like, kind of a communal sense, you know. Like, what can we do for our community as well with these arms, you know, like, Imagine, like, because the thing is, like, whenever people start community gardens that are really successful, they fa they face being shut down. Imagine, like, for one, like, being able to have that protection to not even, hopefully not even be faced with the threat by the, the police because they know you have arms, right? But at least if it does have to go down, like, having that extra protection. Right, yeah, and I mean... I don't know. I just keep going back to that quote from Chairman Mao and and like other things that he that he said too, right? Like what uh, is police power like in terms of like being able to protect you guys? Right, right, it is. I uh, and what is that other quote that he says? The one that's that's like um it goes something like like there there needs to be a war to end the war or something like that. Like like, for, unfortunately, like... In order to... Pick, in, in order to uh, I know what you mean. In order to put down the gun... In, in order to, in, uh, yeah, in order to put down the gun, you have to take up the gun. 
Like, <clears throat> that's what Ben Franklin said too. There you go. Yas racist forefathers said that too. So, yeah, and he also, I think he also said like, like the blood of the blood. No, the tree of like freedom needs to be, needs to be watered with with like the the blood of like counter revolutionaries and some shit like that. Yeah, he really was. Somebody was a capitalist pig and a rapist. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, is that what you're talking about? They're talking about Malcolm. No. Oh. Oh my God. But yeah, hold on, hold on. But I think like also like what Mal says, um, you know, politics is war without bloodshed, and you know, war is politics with bloodshed. You know, to that extent. And so like, it's like not to say like you're picking up a gun to increase the likelihood of bloodshed. I feel like to a degree, it's like to prevent it. You know, like. Because it's not always the first option, you know. I'm not here to, like, just blow a pig's head off. But it's, like, the thing is, if you're going to threaten us and you're going to... Because, I mean, look at every time you don't listen to what a cop says. Like, how do they handle you? They handle you, like, as, a like, an object, you know. Like, they can just be, like, if you don't listen, like, we're going to stomp you out. Like, like just, like, nothing. And it's just, like, I don't know. I feel like people need to look at that philosophically and ideologically, like, and culturally. You know, like, how, like fucked up that is and like how we okay we are with that like how violence is being used to communicate that like this is how we deal with nuisance in society or things that bother us we take care of it with violence if they don't cooperate willingly but it's just like dude i don't know like i don't know like i don't feel like that's something that needs to be taken care of you know that way personally and i feel like that's what would happen if at the end of the day the community wants to do something that it needs wants to do on its own for its own sake, which I think needs to have happen. You know, self-governance, or at least more community control in that regard, you know, and community involvement, and, you know, like like Soviet democracy, you know. Um, I feel like something people should really look at for, like, what we're trying to, like, build and, like, union, the way unions are structured, you know, and just, like, think about that, like, on a local district, like, level. And just, like, yeah, like, I don't know, just having more autonomy over that. I think people need to start, like, thinking about, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like we're promoting you to go get, go ahead and get a gun and just shoot up a police department. Like, that's that's not what we're saying. But we're just saying, like, be ready to defend your community. Like, like let's be real. Shit's going to hit the fan like, I mean, just soon just here. Like, like, let's not pretend Charlottesville didn't happen, right? We're, we're fascists. We're literally out there running people over. That were peacefully protesting. Hey, well, he, did go to jail. he did go to jail, but jail was too good for him. Okay. Right? So white man in jail. Right. That and no doubt. But um yeah, that that's not what we're saying. Don't 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 do that. And and I mean I mean I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not condoning you going and getting a gun and shooting a police department. At all, but if that's what you wanted to do, keep me keep my name out of it. That's what you did on your own. That's your politics. Keep my name out of it. We are the tribe that they cannot see. We live on an industrial reservation. We are the Halusa Nation. We have been called the Indians. We have been called Native American. We have
have been called hostile. We have been called pagan. We have been called militant. We have been called many names. We are the Halusa Nation. We are the human beings. The callers of names cannot see us, but we can see them. Um, and I mean that that definitely like <laughs> that definitely bleeds into our our next topic of like self reliance, right? Like, um, not self reliance, but like self governance, right? With with both Venezuela and and um, Wet'suwet'en. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not pronouncing that right, and I and I do apologize for anyone that is cringing at the way I pronounce that. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, I mean the the threat of of governments and and imperial powers like invading you and taking what's rightfully yours is scary, and you need to defend that, right? Like indigenous people, how many times have they been robbed of what they are and their lands, right? Right, like they're being robbed robbed now, and right, and no one cares. Like we have we have we had Standing Rock in 2016. Right, which ended up being taken over, right, which ended up failing, and and it breaks my heart every time I have to, every time I think of that. Right, it's it's rough, and and it hurts, and it hurts indigenous communities more deeply. Right, it it puts salt on that wound. Right, when when they look toward towards different indigenous movements, and and resistance. 
and and they see that it unfortunately fails right that right in the you know Stetson in Canada right now that are that are fighting the Trans Canada pipeline um they they're just they're just standing up and and like most recently and recently is like a month ago right they were raided by by the police department right the whole campsite was raided and they were given 20, 72 hours by the by the police department to to uh to stand down and they didn't and and the the the, the little border that they put up not it's not a border the checkpoint that they put that they put like was was raided and all the people that were there were arrested and like indigenous sovereignty is never respected and and it needs to be and they need to stand up and we need to stand with them and we need to show our solidarity and like and by unfortunately by any means necessary we need we need to defend our land and who we are it's never going to be recklessly and when, like just to harm, you know. It's like literally to be strategic and to have political power because at what point do you let the slaughter go on, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, for me, like right now in France or like right now we can look at at least Dakota Access. Let's just look at Dakota Access Pipeline, you know, that whole... I felt bad, you know, just seeing people get injured like that and, uh, you know, spray down and... Like, I don't know. Like, it just makes you feel helpless. Because, you know, like, to a degree, it's just like, yeah, I understand, like, the the nobility and the honor of, like, not being alarmed, you know, and having that protest and that defense and that willingness to take that. And I respect that, you know. But I definitely think, like, it's just not anything that, like, as a society, we need to let, continue let to go on, you know. Because, like, that one girl, like, had her hand blown off with the fucking stun grenade you know like you if you can have your hand blown off like you're fighting you're in a war zone you know like and like indigenous people have always been at least if you if you really look at history you know they've been consistently in in the war of survival pretty much you know um against this nation and against all the colonial pretty much settlers and their grab you know their land grabs and their fucking uh you know manifest the manifest destiny movement and all that bullshit you know of just like trying to justify the the move westward and all this bullshit uh, i don't know people don't realize that like i guess people do realize but they just don't care or they don't want to accept you know the like the actual like people aren't just complaining that like this is, like, bloodshed, you know, is what it took to get here, you know. It's, like, yes, like, it literally took that. And I feel like people just don't grasp the scope of things, you know. And I feel like, for me, I don't know, like, I'm just tired of history repeating itself, to say the least, you know. And I, um, I just want the tides to turn. I think the tide's turning, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't want to say fighting fire with fire is the best thing, you know. But I think you know, civil society quotes. I think this consumer society that we're you know trapped into has people just you know Facebook posting and tweeting, and you know like it's just like we need to start doing shit that like 
is vital, which, you know, if we're not going to talk about getting arms, let's talk about unions and general strikes, you know, and like boycotting, you know, and consumer unions and boycotting movements to like actually like, you know, like they, you know how like they like to place sanctions on people like for right now, they like to place sanctions on Venezuela, you know, like, well, fuck, like it's time for the people to start placing like our own sanctions on like these ruthless companies and these fucking disgusting pig politicians, you know, at least, I don't know, in my opinion, if we're not going to, if no one's down, fucking pick up a gun now, you know? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, <sighs> Venezuela's a touchy, touchy subject for some, um, but I'm going to get right down to the nitty gritty. Um, Let's just say I I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Um, the new Guaido. Uh, can I get a fuck Guaido? Can I get a fuck Guaido? Can can everybody everybody say fuck Guaido? Fuck Guaido, and we'll get down to why fuck Guaido. Um, so as some of you or most of you or hopefully all of you know, um, recently there was. And uh, an attempted coup. I don't. I don't. I don't think that attempt is over personally. But um, oh, um, yeah, like there was just some rando from the opposition um, against the the current administration of, of Venezuela. Venezuela um, just got up and said, uh, "Yeah, I uh, declare myself uh, interim president of uh, Venezuela of the Republic of Venezuela." And uh, yeah, so uh, everybody listen to me. And and the current president, right, Nicolas Maduro, was like, uh, "What the fuck? Um, no, right? Like, no, you're not. Like, no one elected you. No one elected you. So who who even are you to 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 say to an?" proclaim yourself the, the interim president president and then the United States comes out and says uh yeah this guy yeah this is legitimate he's a new legitimate president of Venezuela and we should all just you know respect him and several countries followed um there what was it? Ar- Argentina followed Ecuador Paraguay uh Brazil oh, fuck Brazil first off first off fuck Brazil fuck you Bolsonaro um Colombia, God, Colombia is another conversation. Yeah, I said Ecuador, Peru, uh, the Lima Group, all of the Lima Group, so all those fourteen countries in the Lima Group, except oh, for yeah, yeah um, except for Mexico. Um, yeah, the o- OAS. Um, oh fuck. Oh France. 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 I hate, I hate Macron, yeah, Macron. I don't know. You can kind of hate the French. No, dude. The French are the French are out here. They're an inspiration right now. Shout out to the French, especially the French women. They are here leading a movement, hopefully changing it to, you know, kind of be a more proletarian movement. You know, even further. But point being, point being, Macron. Uh, you know, um, he's just out here calling for democracy, ironically, you know, and for to respect the cause of the Venezuelan people. But 
but about respecting the cause of the French people and, uh, you know, what they're wanting and to stop the austerity and neoliberal policies. Fuck that. Fuck that, fuck that right? You know, I guess. Um, but at least concerning, um, you know, just that whole situation, like, they're just trying to cause political conflict within the country. And, you know, the military supports Maduro. So, I mean, like, realistically, they understand that the Constituent Assembly was a democratic process, regardless if you think about it, it wasn't or not, you know. Um, let's break it down, you know. So the Constituent Constituent Assembly elections were held in Venezuela on the 30th of July, 2017, to elect the members of the 2017 Constituent Constituent whatever, National Assembly, unlike the 1999 one, which was uh, assembled following a referendum, which is a vote on whether or not something was going to happen, like Brexit. You know, that was voted on by the British people. This was voted on by the Venezuelan people, whether or not to have. Okay, so it was approved by the Venezuelan people. Just because it was convened by Nicolas Maduro doesn't mean that it's a fraud. You know, regardless of what the Americans say, you know, and they're going to talk about, you know, democratic elections. If we're going to talk about just straight votes here, you know, like, don't talk to us about democratic elections. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't think Americans can ever speak on democracy when, like, literally all the politicians they quote unquote vote in are bought by corporations to, to you know, help corporate needs, right? Industry. And industry, like, like, don't pretend like, like the senator of, of X area is in favor of that area because they're going to get bought out anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not pretend, um, hot take here, but AO, AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, right, is going to be for the people forever, right? Like, not like she's not, like, someone's going to pay up Right, like, like, and like, there's a saying in Spanish, right? Like, el perro baila por, por dinero, right? El dinero hace el perro bailar, right? So, like, the uh, money can make a dog dance. So, but anyway, back to back to Venezuela, right? It, it was all democratically done, and and when Maduro was was um, voted in, like outside forces watching, right? People like like who was it? The UN something. Something part of the UN was there and like oversaw the elections and they they saw no no malfeasance. They didn't see anything, yeah. no type of fraud. Yeah, they literally confirmed that it was like it was a clean election. And Forbes actually published an article saying that Venezuela's elections were a model for the entire world. Forbes. Like that's Capitalist magazine. Like they published that like two days ago. Like how are you gonna say that you know, like this capitalist aspect. I'm not trying to make calls to authority, you know, use that rhetoric. But realistically, like, yeah, the Venezuelan elections were fucking clean. They're a good system. You're just, people are just honestly hearing just what they hear on the news and just repeating it. They're just viewing it. You know, they're hearing a bunch of anti-communist propaganda, you know, because that's what the ruling class wants to make it about. They want to make it about capitalism versus socialism, and they're trying to, you know, make the hyperinflation caused by sanctions. And the fact that Venezuela has to import all their food, unfortunately, I don't know, um, which I think is something, 
I think it's something that needs to be addressed. But yeah, hold on. We'll talk about why they need to import all their food really quick and how the sanctions imposed on them really fucked them up. So, so the way that's working and how it's fucking it up even more right now is just... So, I mean, let's not deny American involvement since the Monroe Doctrine, even before the Monroe Doctrine was even written in, um, has, has shaped Central and Latin America. Um, so be, before that, right, the... the oh God, I'm going to sound so conspiracy theory saying this, but, like, the elites of... Uh, um, the elites helped shape of what it is, right? They centered, they centered a Venezuelan economy because Venezuela has the biggest deposits of petroleum in the world. So they centered the economy around selling, selling petroleum, right? So that that totally negated anything else that they could do. So that's why they have no agriculture because the whole economy revolves around. Petroleum. Because of how it was. Oh my God, these fucking assholes. That's what people don't understand is that, like, these literally white Anglos from originally from England and then they were pretty much included into this group. I mean, look, not to give heed to these, you know, Rockefeller, Rothschild conspiracy nuts, but, you know, like, these people who were trying to, you know, these rich industrial capitalists who were owned a lot of the wealth in England and now in America and these rich American capitalists that were, you know, arriving, uh, were trying to, you know, they considered Latin America their backyard and they were trying to shape it as such. And so, yeah, like Joe was saying, like, uh, it fucked over their whole agriculture cause it wasn't developed before that. Man, God damn. That's makes me so disgusted. Right. And then somehow it wants to be pinned on Maduro that it's his fault that there's no, no food, when in, unfortunately him and Chavez inherited that problem. Whether it wasn't addressed, that's that's a whole different topic of conversation, but p- totally pinning it on him is, is not really fair, right? It just wants to scapegoat and, and further, ca- um, further legitimize the call for a coup and a call for, for dismantling the government. Like, it's not the government's fault that Americans asked the Saudis to, to bring down the cost of, of a barrel of, of petroleum, mm-hmm. to bring down the economy back in, what, 2013, 2014? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, how is that the government's fault? The, 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 the prices just barely regulated themselves back, right? And like now, finally now can Venezuela start competing again with their petroleum? Um, just as of recently, like it's, let's not... Uh, the you know the quality dollarize is a uh, huge, especially with China. You know, kind of helping them out and uh, and Russia as well. You know, being willing to you know kind of trade all this stuff with Venezuela to kind of get them out of this you know situation. You know, shout out to them because they're being very innovative in a tight situation, uh, creating their petro currency, the cryptocurrency to try to trade with, which I think was a good call. Um, I mean, it's kind of working. It's not working the best, but it's kind of working. I mean, they're trying to trade with Juan now, which is good because, you know, people are dumping U.S. debt for the fact that uh, the U.S. can't sustain itself anymore, you know. Um, and not the point. Point being, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think whether or not it's being addressed, the agricultural issue is not the point. I mean, like he's saying, I think it's the fact that, you know, they, they have to trade and work and maneuver in this way and how, like, the world is kind of working against them because nobody wants to sell them food, you know. And when they did, uh, you know, to Germany, right, uh, through the Bank of England, 
how like they're being fucked over right now with the gold. Right, and it's not that no one wants to trade food with them or sell them food. It's that they literally can't. There's like assets, there's sanctions, there's assets that are frozen. There's like this whole much of like, there's like billions of dollars that Belize needs, that Belize owes to Venezuela. But, but because of the sanctions, Belize can't hand that money over. Belize, Belize literally said like, yeah, sorry, I know, you know we owe you all this money for petroleum, but uh, we can't really give it to you because the U.S. said no. Like, like Venezuela can't handle anything in dollar. And unfortunately, that's kind of what, what is more or less ruling the world, the world economy, dollar. And it's slowly changing and good, but, like, there's, like, even, even trading in different currencies and then finally getting it into dollars is being stopped. Like, like um, what, was, what country were they going through? They were going through, I think, Iran or another country, um to like to to get it over into into dollars and finally get paid back get money back into the country um and then eventually that was stopped too they're like yeah we can't do this anymore for you i'm sorry or it was turkey or something like that um like there's so many assets that are frozen and like it's not it's not just like oh yeah the maduro's government is just stealing from the people it's like uh no there's really assets frozen by the united states like can you read a little like you ha- like i don't know there's just so much information and so and it's so easy to just pin it on the government when it's like more nuanced than that i agree i agree i don't know i i definitely don't even think uh you know we're going to go back to the you know self determination uh you know each country has a right to determine their own destiny without any interference of you know a foreign state and the fact that uh, you know, Guaido was virtually unknown prior to, you know, like, what, well, this past election? Like, literally that same day. No one knew him until that day. Yeah, it's the day that he pretty, like, no one really knew who the fuck he was until, like, that day. He only got, like, what, like, 90, apparently 97,000 votes, which I don't even think was, like, like I don't even know. Don't, like, I don't even think those are, like, legitimate. Yeah, I don't know how much, like, how big, Vene- how big of the population of Venezuela is, but I don't think... That's even counts as like a lot of votes no, compared. Ten million people voted just now in May. Okay. And sixty million of them voted for Maduro. There you have it, first folks. Um, but no, I I saw that like someone was saying on Twitter there was a whole thread. I didn't check their their sources, but they. I'm glad people are leaking sources now. That makes me very happy. Their own bibliography tweet. Um, <laughs> they, there's, they were just saying like, yeah, he, like he, Guaido is like pulling in like the single digits, like, like he, I don't know, like I'm kind of making little connections towards like, um, towards like the Soviet Union, right when Yeltsin came into power, like he, he's scoring in the double, in the, in the single digits, like he, his popularity is like on the floor, and like let's. And like content warning here, trigger warning here, but like the the opposition isn't like like some some peaceful um, quote unquote rational voice in Venezuela, right? To chavismo, it's it's not. It's it's literally bloody and it's reactionary and it's disgusting. Like the disabled man was burned in the streets. By the opposition, and that's and that's who support who the U.S. is supporting. Yeah, like that. That's classic U.S., right? Like the Mujahideen. Um, 
anyone, Mujahideen, the fucking Taliban, anyone, like Pinochet, anyone, like, like it's just it's classic, and and people are gonna be like, well, I mean that's the rational voice, and it's and it's not, it's not the rational voice, right? Like, those people are just put in place to maintain the current capitalist system that was put in place by the United States. If we're looking at you know Honduras in the 1950s with United Fruit, you know the peasant farmers and the and the workers were rising uh, against you know the injustices and you know the fact that they weren't getting paid. And, you know, there were a bunch of land and social reforms that are going to happen through the president. And they go in and, you know, overthrow that government uh, and install a, a fascist dictatorship to pretty much maintain the, the current capitalist order, right? Um, we, we, we see that with Pinochet, you know, with the mining industry, you know, still being put in place. Um, I don't know, Argentina, just the fucking farmlands over there. Fucking hate Americans. Anyway. Uh, but we're seeing that right now with Venezuela, right? Um, they want a government who is supportive of the U.S. politics and, you know, the, the U.S. agenda, which is... Uh, and, like, actually, like, someone on my Facebook that we know that we graduated with is like, yeah, we actually just did a military drill where we were supposed to, like, go in and invade a country that was our ally and so we can get them to, like, continue to sell us oil. What the fuck? Yeah. That was the fucking military drill that he was saying. He posted that. Are you fucking... Yeah, I did. Ew, that's, that's disgusting. Ugh. Ugh. And yeah, I mean, uh, Guaido actually already came out with his, his presidential plan. Um, he, he released that, and, and believe it or not, shot... Sh- right, believe it or not, shockingly, in that it uh, privatizes everything. Everything in Venezuela that's nationalized will be privatized. And that includes, like, drum roll, please, um, that revolves around the, the Venezuelan economy, that drives the Venezuelan economy, petroleum, right? Like It'll be owned by American companies. That's what they don't understand. It's not going to be owned by these Venezuelan companies. It's going to be owned by, Venezu- um, by American companies. So we're going to go in, they're going to extract the petroleum, they're going to extract the gold. They're going to sell it and reap it all. And the Venezuelan people are going to be left with nothing. It's like it always is and it always has been. Right? Like, I don't know. It, it, it's gross, right? And I don't know. Like, just try, just move it over to, to what you're saying about what you know. I don't know. I feel like, to me, like, our, our community, especially, the, you know, the Latinx community in Issa, uh, really not side with the imperialists in every situation, you know, like, at all. Like, I think in every situation we need to be opposed to whatever uh, the imperialist nations are supporting, you know. And the fact of, is that they treat Latin America like a resource pool, and not just Latin America, but Southeast Asia for labor and resources and also Africa, you know. And so we need to create a, you know... I mean, not just the people who identify as Latinx, but also the indigenous communities within Latin America. We need to create an alliance between indigenous, black, you know, white Latinx communities, uh, you know, uh, an alliance between, you know, the communities in Africa, the communities in Southeast Asia. And uh, we all need to, you know, and start resisting imperialism pretty much and colonialism that is, uh, you know, these American companies, these European, Canadian companies are, 
know, in South America, they're in Brazil, they're in, in Ecuador, trying to just take our material wealth that we could be creating to, you know, build our cities, build our industries in in those regions. And they're, they're not letting us, you know. Um, like, you know, Chavez did a lot of shit and a lot of his policies got a lot of good stuff done in Venezuela. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk right now during, under Maduro. We can talk about the housing that was built. I think, I don't know how many millions of houses were built. I forget. Um, uh, I think it was like three million houses were built under, like, their program. Yeah, and isn't, like, everyone in Venezuela have a house now? I think everyone in Venezuela has a house, and I think all that was free. And it's because housing is a right. Um, and they're planning the economy, trying to distribute food more equally. Uh, you know, the, the military is taking part of the people, you know, part in activities and drills with the people. You know, they're not used to go and conquest or go and protect our oil, you know, like, I don't know, like, obviously that's how Americans spell freedom, they spell it with oil, like, I think, like, the operation to overthrow Saddam Hussein in Iraq was originally called, like, Operation Iraqi Liberation, <laughs> which is OIL, oil, you know, so it's just like, when they changed it to, like, Operation Iraqi Freedom, um, yeah, they, they took it out there, <laughs> I was like, y'all are whack, <laughs> a bit, I mean, I don't know, I definitely think they thought about it intentionally, you know, uh, but it's the same thing that's going to happen, you know, uh, and I think we need to stand opposed to anyone who supports, uh, you know, Guaido, I think, just because he is being a divider in his nation, uh, you know, just because you use the money and the wealth that you take from petroleum to try to provide for the people in that country, um, you know, you don't let a few people make billions off of it just to profit off of it doesn't mean that you should, you know, be faced with sanctions or any, any bullshit. And I feel like uh, just because people are like, well, you should like white oak, just full power, just to let everything calm down in Venezuela. Like, no, like, that's exactly what they want, just so they can go and take the oil and the gold. You know, the CIA, the CIA, you know, the, uh, the leaders of overthrowing governments uh, has confirmed that Venezuela, Venezuela has the largest reserves in the world of oil and gold. So... I mean, like, especially right now with the markets uh, crashing, you know, gold is being invested in heavily. Right, yeah. I mean, there there was, like, this little this little thing that was released. Um, no, actually, you can go into, like, the FBI website, and, like, it'll tell you its plans, like, the foreign policy plans towards different countries. And it says, yeah, like, the, the interest in Venezuela is literally oil. Like, like they're not even hiding it. And, and, yeah, I mean, Latin, Latin Americans need to stand up against the imperialist and, and you know, whoever, wherever you are. And, and I'm going to speak directly towards Mexicans. Like, let's not forget, like, post-revolution, right, when, when Zapata was killed, after Zapata was killed, after Pancho Villa was killed, and when the new constitution was being um, written and, and toned down from a very radical standpoint, who came down? and helped write that, the United States. The United States came down and helped write that to help serve United States um, what is interest, which to serve United best, States which interest, is land. which is land and which is, and, and like, who is the closest to, to the United States that, that, can, that can mine petroleum and that nationalized petroleum, other than Venezuela, Mexico too. We don't have the biggest ones, but we are super close, and, like, that's where there's all these, like, there's NAFTA, right? 
to try and bring more companies into into Mexico and try to try to help bring up the economy and and help Mexico grow, but it's all just bullshit. Like like we we need to stand together. That's 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 important here. Yeah, I mean, realistically, and that goes, you know, that principle of, you know, self-defense, self-determination goes and, you know, it's applicable to many communities across the world, you know, especially, I'd say, indigenous communities, you know, and the fight for their lands. And especially right now in Bears Ears, you know, we got a ton of shit that's going to be sold off to these oil companies, uh, a ton of sacred land, you know. Um, and, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's capitalist cultures, like, just whatever you can extract and make money off of. And we need to start considering some things, uh, at least when it comes to, you know, in this context, you know, we need to start considered, considering things sacred and respecting that. Um, but also, um, you know, when it comes to what people want to do with land and the resources and the wealth in their own country, let them make that choice by themselves, you know. Um, and that applies to many communities, not just countries as a whole. But, you know, like, and that's what uh, socialism is all about. And uh, it's about giving pretty much more power, political power, political capital, you know, letting communities be able to make more choices with what's going on in the areas that, that you know, in the district that is considered their community, you know, and the stuff that's going on there. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I don't know, it's it's, it's going to be a long process, but I think, you know, uh, hopefully with uh, time, you know, we can get people going. I think unions are the way to at least start mainly teaching people, you know. Don't be afraid to learn about unions, how to start a union. Don't be afraid to start a union. Or even tenants unions, you know, that would be good. Just so we can start fighting for things and, uh, you know, taking more control over our lives, you know. I feel like that's good. And, uh, you know, especially like we were saying when it comes to self-defense, if you want to defend our, our, our planet, for one, you know, if we want to stop our planet from dying and going into cash catastrophe which I think at this point is kind of inevitable to a degree you know we're gonna have to embrace for a lot of shit I think to a degree uh, I don't know I'm kind of scared Central America is gonna be gone to a degree I'm not gonna lie um, I think it's just gonna get flooded um, you know I'm not gonna I don't wanna scare people you know that's just kind of what I'm hypothesizing but uh, yeah and I just think like there's just we're gonna have to take care of um, and I don't think right now with the lack of democracy and the lack of just a general, like there's, in the, in the terms of, I think, permaculture, my friend really explains it well. It's like earth care, people care, and fair share. That's like the principles. You know, like one, like these, the capitalists don't care about the earth, you know, like they're, they just want to make money off of it. They want to make money off the oil, you know, like, um, I don't know, like, you ever see, like, I'm not trying to say all those videos on, you know, online of, like, all these people, like, using these engines and shit are, like, real, but it's just, like, why are we, the, the fact that we're not even expending energy and, like, alternative solutions to oil or, like, oil engines and shit is, like, just sad for me, you know? I don't know, it's kind of the culture that we've, we've created, um, I don't know, like, not to say that oil doesn't have a logistical purpose because it did in industrial society like oil produces like much more energy than human beings it can like for example like like I don't know five gallons of oil can take you like for example I don't know like let's say 300 miles right versus like 
how much human power is adequate to. Yeah. So, like, you know, there are, there are very logistical purposes as to why, like, it helped. Industrialization helped it, you know, bloom and, like, why we're here and why we have the society we have now. Like, we wouldn't be where we are now. Like, like it, it was a historical necessity, but it's outlived its necessity and its usefulness. And we need to start advancing towards, like, alternative viable solutions and living in, trying to live in coordination with the earth and not overexploit it. Because right now, like, in terms of, like, how we're using our resources, we're pretty much in debt, you know, like, like we can mathematically use resources for the year. Uh, and, like, there's a sustainability mark, like, these scientists can calculate. Like, there's a line, right, where we shouldn't cross because otherwise we're going to be, like, taking too much and we're not going to be able to naturally, naturally replace it. And so we've been taking, so like imagine there's like 12 months in a year they've used it. So like we started in December and like we've had like pretty much, I think it's honestly been this way for like several, like decades, like at this point, like I think like almost 20 years since we've been in debt um, or recently actually, like in the last 15 years, like we started getting in debt. Like it's, imagine it started in December and like we were able to replenish it every time and like each time we've been taking less, so like we've had to use stop using this amount of resources by November in order to replace it or successfully. So we've gone over that like four times. So now I think like we're in August, like so like we have to stop using like this amount of resources by like July, or otherwise we're fucked. We're continually digging ourselves deeper in debt. And I think yeah, like at this point, like I'm not sure if we've gone over the year cycle. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's making sense, but point being, we're, we're pretty much in natural resource debt still because we keep using more than we're... We keep taking more than we're putting back, pretty much. And that's the problem, is that we need to put back... We need to start putting back more and cutting down on what we're taking. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, if there's anything that you take from this, it's just, you know, respect, respect existence of, like, different... God, I mean, communities. communities and the way they run things. Um, right. That's like, I mean, like, I'm not gonna, call, I'm not gonna, not call out the irony, right? Because it's like we're talking about like. Actually, I don't even think the people are the opposition in Venezuela is fully representative of people at all. I think it's just tricked people who are gonna be bootlickers and who should be siding with Maduro, and I think the people who are actually gonna benefit are gonna be the same rich capitalists in Venezuela. Right, but I mean, yeah. So, I mean, um, respect existence, or expect resistance, or whatever. <laughs> um, not to quote something um, copyrighted. We're gonna get copyrighted for saying that now. All right, congrats. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a good place to end it. Thanks for tuning in. Like. If you like this, um, put a thumbs up, please, and uh, subscribe. Like and comment, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, see you next. See you next week. See you next episode. On a serious note, um, hands off Venezuela. You know, it's all there. The nation. The human beings. The people. See the spiritual in the natural through sense and feeling. Everything is related. All the things of earth and in the sky have spirit. Everything is sacred. Confronted by the alien nation, 
the subjects and the citizens see the material religions through trauma and numb. Nothing is related. All the things of the earth and in the sky have energy to be exploited. Even themselves, mining their spirits into souls sold. Into nothing is sacred, not even their self. The Ally Nation, Alia Nation.